Good morning, everyone. The time is now 9.30 on February the 8th. Would you all please stand for the invocation? And Trevor will provide that for us this morning. Thank you. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here before you. And we respect the responsibility given to this board and the uh, wisdom that's required for the sound decision making. We ask that you guide the hand of everyone here with wisdom and intention to be able to follow your will and benefit the people of our water basin. We thank you for the water and the snow. Uh, it's much needed and we ask that you continue to bless this region with additional precipitation, recharging our water basins. I ask that you place blessings on the board and guide them in their decision making and follow your will in Jesus name. Thank you, Trevor. I'll call the meeting to order of the Mojave Water Agency Board of Directors for February the 8th and ask Director West to lead us in the pledge. Everyone hand over your heart with me. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Latrice, roll call, please. Director Page. Well, now it's on. I'm here. Director Hoffman. Here. Director Ramirez. Here. Director Raleigh. I'm here. Director West. Present. Director Limbaugh. Here. President Cox. We also have presenting staff. We have Matthew Johnson, Melody Bailey, Tony Winkle, and also General Manager Adnan Anatawi. Next, we'll move on to approval of the agenda with everyone present. We'll be using Granicus this morning. We have a motion by Director Page, a second by Director West. Okay, that item passes. Item four is public participation. The public comment period is limited to five minutes per person and not more than 15 minutes in total. Anyone wishing to address any matter pertaining to agency business listed on the agenda or not may do so at this time. However, the board of directors may not take any action on items that are not on the agenda. Do we have any requests to speak under public comment? No, not at this time. Then we'll move on to item five. This is a public hearing item. I'm sure we'll have some uh, public comment for this. Uh, this is the time and place set for the public hearing on the OSDA Basin Recharge Project and Mitigated Negative Declaration, which is item five on our agenda. The public hearing is now open. And I call upon the board secretary to confirm the posting and publication of the hearing notice. Thank you, Madam Chair. A notice of this public hearing was posted and published in the Victor Valley Daily Press, the Mojave Water Agency website, and at Mojave Water Agency in the manner and form as required by law. Thank you, Latrice. We'll now uh, turn it over to staff for a presentation. Um, General Manager Anatabwe, will you be queuing this up for us? I will be. Thank you. So um, I'll just uh, read a little intro and then pass it over to uh, Mr. Johnson for a presentation. Um, the agency proposes to construct two approximately 4.5 acre basins for groundwater recharge. Uh, 
within a 10-acre vacant parcel located on the south side of Cayucos Drive, approximately 0.36 miles west of Oasis Road, approximately 0.45 miles east of 263rd Street East, and the associated piping to be located within an adjacent um, 0.03-acre um, area within the Department of Water Resources right away to recharge approximately 4,000 acre-feet per year of state water project water. Uh, water will be delivered via gravity flow from a temporary turnout uh, to be installed in the state water project aqueduct uh, to the OSA basins. And so with that, Matt, if you don't mind taking it away. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for the introduction. So my name is Matthew Johnson. I'm going to be uh, running over a quick uh, presentation of the West Day Groundwater Recharge Project. So why the project? Well, long-term groundwater declines led to the 1996 Mojave Basin Area Judgment with an obligation to import supplemental water supplies to the Oeste sub-area. So replacement obligation began in the 96-97 water year, and today it totals 1,044 acre-feet. That's due for the Oeste Basin. And this is also court-mandated uh, court obligation to provide replacement water. And here we have the, uh, the actual project location in Phelan. Um, the graphic on the left, you can see it's right in the middle of uh, Phelan Pinion Hills, uh, one of their main well fields. Okay, so the next steps. So what's led us to this uh, for CEQA compliance, uh, we've done our environmental impact study, um, which includes our initial study and mitigated negative declaration, uh, which includes biological surveys, cultural resource surveys, and air quality analysis for construction. Then we had our public notification, which includes our posting in the newspaper, uh, sending out like, you know, notice of intent and our public comment period. So the public comment period, only the, the Department of Water Resources uh, actually sent in comments with the Division of Dams and Safety and Operations and Maintenance. So moving forward, we've been in constant contact with them, uh, working with them to obtain permits for a temporary turnout and then planning on for our future uh, permanent facility. Uh, also, we are working hand-in-hand uh, in hand receiving their input on uh, for uh, the initial design and for final design. So, which brings us to today. We're holding the public hearing. Uh, if everything goes smooth according to plan, we're going to adopt our mitigated negative declaration and file notice of determination with county and state. That should wrap up CEQA, and we can continue with the project and move forward. Thank you. Matthew, appreciate that presentation. Um, are there any questions from the board to staff at this time regarding this? Okay, then at this time we will turn to uh, public testimony. This is a public hearing for the receipt of oral and written public testimony for and against the OSDA Basins Recharge Project and Mitigated Negative Declaration prepared under the California Environmental Quality Act. You are not required to provide oral testimony in order to submit a written comment. 
If you wish, you may simply submit your written comment to MWA uh, clerk of the board. As you come forward to speak, please identify yourself and your address. You will have the customary three minutes to speak. The board secretary will let you know when you have one minute remaining so that you can conclude your remarks. Are there any members of the audience wishing to speak on this item? Oh, it's going to be an easy public hearing. Uh, seeing no one wishing to speak on this matter, I am prepared to close the public hearing. However, before I do that, I would like to provide anyone who would like to submit any written or oral comments a final opportunity to do so. Latrice, is there anyone online? Wishing to speak on this item? No. Once the public hearing is closed, we will be prohibited from accepting any further oral or written testimony. Last chance, anyone wishing to speak? Okay. See no one wishing to speak, I will now close the public hearing on this item. We will now move on to the action and discussion items on our agenda. Whoops, first we need to, something there's, a, I'm reading from script here. <laughs> We're missing a step here, so. I think we need a vote. Yeah, we need to adopt this. So we need a motion to adopt. We have a motion by Director Page and a second by Director West. Are you Locked up. Locked up. Let's see. There you go. Okay, so we have a motion and a second. Okay, that motion passes. We will now move on to action and discussion items on our agenda. The first of those is item six, which is to consider adoption of resolution 1160-24, a resolution of the board of directors of the Mojave Water Agency making findings and adopting a mitigated negative declaration pursuant to the California Environmental Quality Act and approving the OSDA basin recharge. Does staff have any further comments or presentations that will be made on this? No, f no further uh, comments. Okay. Are there any questions from the board on the mitigated negative declaration? Okay. Seeing none. Any comments from the public on the mitigated negative declaration? None in the audience. Is there any online, Latrice? No. Okay. All right. Is there a motion on this item? We have a motion by Director Raleigh and a second by Director Hoffman. Okay. That motion passes, and now we'll move on to... The next step in this project as it inches forward to completion. The next item on the agenda is a workshop, item number seven for the 2023 river flows and groundwater response. I think we're all excited to hear um, 
Yes. But you might have on this item is our river is flowy. We've talked about, um, well, we've talked about things uh, last year being, you know, a banner year for imports, great for natural recharge and what happened. Um, uh, but uh, it's nice to see the response in the actual uh, basins from that activity. So with that, uh, Tony's going to review uh, or provide us a, a report card of what happened um, out of uh, last year. Okay. Uh, thank you, General Manager Anatawi. This is um, <laughs> the first half of this presentation is kind of already out of date because of what happened yesterday. But but we'll get into that as we go along. And I do want to give credit where credit is due. I have listed here Brian Hammer um, as kind of a, a co-author on this presentation. He did a lot of work. And he made me promise that I wouldn't throw him under the bus in this presentation. So I want to make sure everyone's aware that he is online and available for all the hard questions. <clears throat> okay, but before we get started, um, you may have heard of uh, El Nino. And it occurred to me recently that no one really probably has a very understand, good understanding of what El Nino is. And so you hear about El Nino and then you wonder, does that mean more water for California? So the way El Nino works is normally trade winds along the equator blow the warm water from the um, west coast of the Americas west across the Pacific Ocean. Well, those winds kind of weaken during an El Nino year. So this is a normal year. You see the, the red blob there is the warm waters being blown towards Australia. But in an El Nino year, those winds weaken and the warm water kind of piles up along the Americas and it it actually affects global weather patterns. So it's not just a Southern California thing. So this is a, a map showing the entire world and kind of showing you how what El Nino does. So um, El Nino a lot of times means floods for us here in Southern California, but it can also mean um, record droughts in other parts of the world. It just kind of moves things around. Obviously for us here in Southern California, we're more interested in, in that location in the orange circle where we tend to have wetter conditions. So this is a graph showing El Nino years since 1950 and uh, the corresponding opposite, La Nina. So fun fact, El Nino is Spanish for the child. It's actually a shortened version of its original uh, title, El Nino de Navidad, the child of Christmas. The, this uh, was first noticed by South American farmers they would notice right around Christmas time, occasionally, there would be unusually warm water um, just off the coast. And since it happened around Christmas time when they noticed it, they named it after the child of Christmas, El Nino. Years later, they decided, well, what's the opposite of El Nino? Well, that would be the female version, La Nina. So, um, fun fact. So I, I took this and I looked at locally uh, wet weather years where we had significant rainfall events here in the desert. And these blue bars that are now appearing are the very sporadic, wet, local weather conditions. Um, and and I, I say often that we have about six to eight years of drought or desert conditions and then two to three years of wet. Last year and this year are proving to, to, to follow that pattern. We had about a 12-year drought. Last year it kind of finally broke and now we're now into our second year of river flow. So keep our fingers crossed for that third one, <laughs> maybe next year. Uh, interestingly, you'll notice that uh, most of these um, wet winters that we've had locally correspond to El Nino, 
but not every El Nino corresponds to a wet local winter. And even more curiously, three of those events since 1950 have actually been La Nina years. So the moral of the story is it's a lot more complicated than just El Nino versus La Nina as far as what our weather here is locally. Hey, Tony, can you go back a slide, actually, <clears throat> the, showing the map? Yep. This one? Yeah. So um, you'll notice that the, the, wetter, um, the, the, the wetter conditions brought on by El Nino for us in Southern California aren't really showing up in Northern California or uh, where we receive our imported water supply from. So that's an interesting challenge in when we're thinking about global weather patterns and El Nino and La Nina, it really doesn't tell us much in terms of our imported water supply. Um, but um, I think there's better correlation, of course, what we see down in Southern California. Anyway, just wanted to plug that. Yeah, and you may remember uh, a few years ago, I think it was 2016, the Godzilla El Nino, if you can see in my cursor, that's the biggest El Nino on record since 1950, and <laughs> it didn't rain here. So again, there was, it's more complicated than just uh, the El Nino situation. Okay, so back to groundwater recharge. This is an image from last winter of Big Bear. I think everyone's aware that uh, the San Bernardino Mountains got buried in snow in one major single event last year. So recap of the precip and basin recharge, we saw up to about five feet of precipitation in our mountain headwaters up in the San Bernardino Mountains last winter. Um, we saw between four and ten inches out in the desert, except at my house. <laughs> um, we saw about 242,000 acre feet of total river flow, um, total river flow, and that does include state water project that was released most of the year via our, our various facilities. And that is not separated out here. About 241,000 acre feet of groundwater recharge last year. And we only lost about 1,000 acre feet out through Afton Canyon. So of that 242,000 acre feet of water that flowed down our river, almost every drop ended up in our groundwater, which is great, great news. Okay, so again, this is last winter. This is last water year, I should say. Uh, rainfall totals, I've shown this before, so I'm not going to dwell on this. Um, I've shown this also before. This is the recharge between our gauges. And I do want to point out our new Hinkley or Hodge at Hinkley Road and our Daggett stream gauges, um, which serendipitously were installed just before some good river events. And uh, they're active again this year. So this is, this is wonderful news. So really excited about the data we're collecting there. Okay, so uh, the groundwater response by sub-area. So our Alto floodplain aquifer, aquifer, we did see significant recharge. You can see very far on the very right end of these hydrographs, you can see the water shoot up and then, of course, shoot right back down, shoot up, shoot right back down. So when you have a flow event in the river, you get a very tall and skinny groundwater mound directly under the river. Well, water doesn't like to be tall and skinny, right? So it likes to flatten out. So that water immediately starts to migrate off river. The peak of the mound uh, comes down as the flanks of the mound spread out into the regional aquifer. The regional aquifer in Alto, we are seeing a gradual slow steady decline on average. In the transition zone, the transition zone is, is um, 
probably the, the biggest success story of the adjudication, the transition zone is and remains full, as evidenced by the hydrograph shown here. Okay, so I, I do have a riddle really quickly. Um, I am full of holes, but I can still hold water. What am I? And if you looked ahead and saw what this is, don't answer it. But if you didn't, I'm taking answers for, for the answer to this riddle. Aquifer is actually really good. Not the answer I'm looking for, but that is sometimes the answer I'm looking for. Anyone else wanting to? Yes, sir. Sponge. <laughs> So um, you think of those really dry, crusty sponges that when you get them wet, they, they inflate. That's what's being shown here. This is my analogy for the transition zone in this case. Sometimes I'll call this an aquifer, but today I'm calling it the transition zone. So um, an interesting observation from the transition zone. Uh, the, the wetlands of the transition zone, it's a very hydrated area. It's a big swamp, essentially. And water flows into it. And it kind of, like a sponge, will absorb a lot of that water and then release it slower than it took it in. So if you, if you take that sponge we were just showing and you hold it up, water will slowly drip out of it for a while, right? And that's kind of how the transition zone acts. Um, there have been a couple times when I've seen the river flow and then the river will dry up at, say, Bear Valley Road or Yuckaloma Bridge, but the transition zone sponge will still be draining and you'll see flow for weeks, maybe even months after the dry river at uh, Bear Valley Road, you'll still see river flowing at Indian Trail, for example, below that sponge, below that wetlands. And we kind of saw that this last year where we originally calculated 19,000 acre feet of recharge between the Lower Narrows gauge and our Hinkley gauge, Hinkley Road gauge. And then later, as that sponge drained a little bit, we actually saw 3,000 acre feet more drain out of that sponge um, out past the uh, out of the transition zone. Okay, the central floodplain. I'm gonna focus on this one a little bit, but you can see the hydrographs there on the left. So we saw some significant recharge, um, not quite full, and I'll get more into that in just a second. So the central regional, we do not see significant um, uh, reactions to rain events in the central regional aquifer. So back to the floodplain aquifer, we've, dis we've discussed before kind of the pumping stresses, especially really concentrated around the Lenwood area of Centro, uh, as shown on the map on the right. And this is, this is kind of the punchline slide I wanted to show for Centro. So what we did here is we took the, the, the highest measurements and the lowest measurements and fitted a trend line to each of those highs and lows. And you can see what we see happening in Centro is the highs are lower and the lows are also lower. Okay, all right, thank you. That's all. Okay, dramatic effect, I'll pause. Um, anyway, um, I, I think this speaks for itself. I just wanted to point that out. Um, Baja, everyone here is pretty familiar with the Baja situation. Unfortunately, in Baja, we see a very limited response to storm flows. On the top hydrograph back in 2005, which was a banner year for uh, river flow, we can, we can see a little bump in this. Um, and, and note that this, this well is right, right on the river in uh, East Baja. And we saw a little response to the 2005. We saw a little response to the 2011. And not really hardly anything since then. Um, 
the this other well on here in West Baja, you see this kind of uh, the orange circle where it's kind of ticking up. I'm going to talk about that here on the next slide. So I don't believe this is storm response, um, especially because it started back in 2020. <laughs> So recently, and I think the board is probably aware of this, but recently a lot of the agricultural production in the Baja sub area was taken offline and replaced with solar, which obviously has a much lower water use. And this is an equilibrating or hopefully, possibly, um, some recovery in the Baja area. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Obviously, we'll keep watching it. Baja Regional, um, we don't see any, any kind of significant response to storm events in the Baja Regional. This is largely due to Mannix clay deposits where the regional aquifer is quite frankly sealed off from the river. So you'll see these big river flows, but you won't really see any of that water get into the, especially the east Baja side uh, regional aquifer. Okay, so to recap, uh, 2023 was a really good year for recharge. But we still live in a desert. This isn't news to anyone. And uh, we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, so what do we need? Obviously, we need more recharge. And this, mm -hmm. is, this is where the, oh, but by the way, and um, in case you didn't notice, it rained <laughs> yesterday, this weekend and, and the beginning of this week. So you may have heard on the news, you may have heard of a bomb cyclone. And um, so I had to look it up, and I was like, you know, I bet a lot of people don't know what a bomb cyclone is. It sounds kind of ominous. Basically what it is is a certain threshold of um, atmospheric pressure drop. So you hear of low-pressure systems are associated with storms. A bomb cyclone is the pressure drops at a certain rate to a certain threshold within uh, 24 hours. So if it meets that threshold, they call it a bomb cyclone. Um, Bombogenesis is the word they like to use. You may have also heard on the news where they talked about an arc storm. This past week was not an arc storm. An arc storm is, well, arc as in Noah's Ark. Um, an arc storm is something like the 1862 Great California Flood. Uh, just something that's just, you know, once in a thousand years kind of a deal. Uh, this wasn't even close to that. Um, you also probably heard about the atmospheric river. So this bomb cyclone flowed in on the atmospheric river, also sometimes called the Pineapple Express. Um, so that's what we experienced the last few days. Okay. So again, thank you to Brian Hammer. He called me this morning and said, I have a new slide for you. And I said, I finished this presentation last night. I'm done. And he said, you have to put this in. So it rained a little bit last night. So we have updated rainfall numbers. So this is a calendar year to date as of 7.30 a.m. this morning. Um, you can see the numbers there, so um, not bad, uh, almost uh, not quite 20 inches in the mountains and roughly 3 inches out in the desert. So on February 5th, uh, the storm started and it saturated our upper watershed. On February 6th, we started to see some river flow and the river flowed to about the Lower Narrows area and along the river. And then on the 7th, the river made it as far as Barstow. And it's that's still about as far as it has made it. So I'm going to show some pictures. Uh, first, I want to show here at headquarters, just out here in our front yard. I took this picture yesterday. This is our, our little storm swale out here in the front yard. 
And um, I've seen water in here before, obviously, but I've never seen it completely cover the sidewalk. So I thought that was uh, kind of fun to look at. I, I was trying to get Melody out there in her canoe to take a picture, but it was too cold this morning, so. <laughs> so jumping down to the Lower Narrows. This is the Lower Narrows um, Tuesday, so two days ago at about 7 a.m. This is the peak flow we recorded at the gauge there. And um, so the, the cement structure, the block structures you see there have to do with the uh, gauge infrastructure for the, the stream gauge. This is the river flow, obviously. My guess is the water is on average about three feet deep. I didn't, I didn't try to wade through it. And if you're not sure where this is, that's the old iron bridge on Route 66 right there. Uh, you may have noticed that I haven't said anything about how much flow we've gotten yet. There is a possible discrepancy between the gauges, and I wasn't comfortable to publish that in this presentation. I'm waiting for the GS to do their, their post-processing QAQC on the, the gauge data. <coughs> and this one is specifically for Kimberly Cox. This is the, I guess it's called Awesome Wash, which flows into the river. Awesome, not A-W-E, but A-H something. O-S-S-U-M. O-S-S-U-M. It's not listed on maps that I've seen. So anyway, it was flowing. Um, and if anyone's looking for a couch, I know where one that was freshly washed <laughs> can be found. It probably came from Victorville. It probably did. This, this wash, so I was actually looking on Google Earth, this wash drains about the northwestern third of Victorville. Okay, so moving down the river Indian Trail, so this is just downstream of Hellendale. This is about the border between Alto TZ and Centro. So Indian Trail is the, the closest river crossing we have to the Centro upstream boundary. And um, I just thought this was really cool. We have this little, um, it's foam. This is mud foam. It's probably got some organics and some sand mixed into it. But the outlet coming under the road um, created this little round circular raft, and I was just mesmerized by this. So <laughs> that's the video I decided to show you. Well, it's a short video, so. <laughs> okay, so now moving down to Hodge or the Hinkley Road Bridge area. And this is, um, this is Tuesday night at about 5 p.m. And this is the wedding front approaching the bridge. So you can see the bridge, hopefully, right here in the distance. Maybe not quite a quarter of a mile further down. And I want to point out, you can see how fast the river's flowing, or the water's flowing. But also notice that the toe of the wedding front is not really moving very fast. Um, all the old-timers here, and when I mean old-timers, I don't mean old. I mean experienced. <laughs> know what's happening. Um, but I'm going to actually show you another video zoomed in on the very tip of one of these toes of this wedding front. That is this right here. So this is groundwater recharge, the surface version. So you can see how fast the water is flowing in this little trickle. But by the time it stretches six, six inches or so away from you know the foam boundary, it just disappears. It sinks into the sand and it's gone. This is groundwater recharge. The debris in the water is mostly duckweed and little pieces of algae and whatnot. So this is downstream of the transition zone. So this is swamp organics that have been washed downstream. 
So this is actually yesterday at about one o'clock in the afternoon. This is Hinkley Road Bridge, our Hodge gauge. And I this is the upstream site, obviously. I really like this because it just the bridge almost looks like a big mouth just swallowing all the water. Um, very thirsty aquifers and river, as you're well aware. But it's pretty good river flow. Looking upstream towards Helendale. Okay, so moving a little further downstream, uh, Buzzard Rock. If you're a Barstow local, you know what Buzzard Rock is. That's Buzzard Rock. Um, and there wasn't a lot of action, so this one's just a still picture. So just a little trickle made it to Barstow. Um, my, my spies tell me that there is still just a trickle at Barstow right now. And Mineola Road, so I have an asterisk on this one for a reason, because water flow from the headwaters up in the mountains has only made it to Barstow. It has not, the river has not flowed all the way from the mountains past Barstow. However, we see some flow at Mineola Road, and so what this is is local runoff. You know, the local washes, it rained out enough in the desert to produce some runoff, which found its way into the river. So Mineola Road, same thing at Harvard Road. You see a little bit of runoff that made it into the river. And then going further downstream to Afton Canyon, again, it's local runoff. This is not all the way from the mountains. Oh, I, I have to go back. So I sent a video to, um, to my family on Marco Polo. If you know what that is, it's a video chat app. And my two-year-old nephew answered back because his, his grandma showed him the video and said, that river looks like chocolate milk. And so I answered back and said, do you want me to bring you a cup next time I come visit? And he said, um, no. Didn't think it would taste very good. <laughs> so the last picture I'm going to show is of Yuccaloma Bridge. This was Wednesday night, I believe. No, Tuesday night. Wow. And I just thought this was pretty picturesque as, it, as the sun was going down. And uh, special thanks again to Brian Hammer, to Esme Velasquez, and Jerry Burns, who uh, some of the pictures they took I borrowed and used for this presentation. That's what I got. Thank you, Tony. Us desert folks get real excited when there's water in the river. Are there any questions from you? And thank you to the team that put this together for us. We'll move on to item eight, which is the, oh, okay. Come on up, Jeff. Jeff Gastra has a question. Jeff Gastra, Newberry Springs. Um, I've asked Tony this every year, almost during the same kind of presentation. The water released from Silverwood, um, have they, do you know if they've done any during this storm? Um, and then also, you promised me last year you would get the data that showed how much water flowed in and how fast it flowed into the lake and then how fast they let it out. I haven't seen that yet, so I just want, wanted to remind you uh, about that fact. So. Good reminder, thank you. Um, so... Highway 138 was closed during this storm for the most part. I did sneak in a couple times, but um, 
Uh, I did actually drive past the uh, the outlet at Silverwood, and they were not releasing. And then five minutes later, I drove back the other way, and they were releasing. And then I went on their website later that day, and it didn't say anything about releasing. And I haven't been able to get back since. Um, so if they haven't already been releasing, they will be, because I know there is inflow into Silverwood. Um, and as far as the inflow, I don't remember making that promise, but I don't doubt that I did. Uh, we have that data available. So, um, give me a call. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Now we'll move on to the consent calendar. Adopt board actions for the regular meeting of January 25th and approve bills for payment, item 8 and 9. We have a motion by Director Page. And second by Director Ramirez. That motion carries. Thank you. We're now on to item 10, manager's report. General Manager Anatovoy. Thank you. One brief report. I'm going to ask Mr. Jeff Roosh to come up and, and make that report. Good morning. We have another new employee that we started that we'd like to introduce. His name is Joseph Salazar. He's right back there. And um, I, I will save you the trouble and invite him up here because I know that you will, <laughs> President Cox. So I, I will invite Joseph up here to introduce himself. Probably better coming from him than me anyway. I think he knows himself better. Good morning, Joseph. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from. and morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Joseph Salazar. Um, my background, I'm in, I came from an environmental scientist position at the Department of Water Resources. I was part of the FERC Coordination Group, that's Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. So I have a lot of background with a lot of um, the history behind DWR and Southern Field Division and distribution systems. And I'm just happy to be here. Thank you so much. Well, you've hired into a great team. We're glad to have you. Are there any questions from the board of Mr. Salazar? Welcome. Welcome aboard. I do need to mention something that he admitted, in my opinion, when Oroville went to, well, when Oroville went downstream, he was there wow. um, helping fix that. So. Wow. So he, he he knows and does a little bit more than he lets on. So we are we are very pleased to have him to be part of our watermaster team. So I'm sure there are some of us that would like to hear that story. That was just a, an amazing event that happened. I don't think anybody expected that. Welcome aboard. Item eleven legal reports, Mr. McElhaney. Item 12, director reports. We'll start with Director Hoffman. Nothing new to report, thank you. Director Limbaugh, you've been quiet today. No report. <laughs> director West. No. Director Ramirez. Uh, nothing at this time. Director Page. Director Raleigh. No, thank you. Okay. Um, at the last meeting, I did appoint an ad hoc committee to um, 
look at a couple of items. Uh, Vice President Raleigh was the head of that committee with uh, Director West and Director Limbaugh. Um, you have met one time? That, that is correct. We don't believe that we need to meet again. Um, I did mention that I'm going to be absent from the finance meeting on Tuesday. You're going to stand in for me. So I asked uh, the general manager to put that item on the next agenda in March, uh, March agenda. Okay. So, but we don't need to, to meet again. Okay. We have possibly some recommendations. Excellent. I hear that was an excellent meeting with uh, legal counsel also present. So we look forward to the pre next presentation from the general manager and moving that item forward. So with that, that ad hoc committee is now disbanded. So thank you for serving on that and helping work through that uh, the questions that were raised. Um, item 13 is discussion items for next or future agendas. Are there any? Director Limbaugh? Yeah, um, I was going to talk about this during Tony's report, but uh, I, I guess it's something that would be for the future. As we all know, our goal over the decades has been reduce pumping and supply new uh, supplemental water uh, needs as they arise. Totally not under our control. We did get the adjudication. That brought the controlled pumping. We still really have very little control over what importations of supplemental water we can bring to this area. We have some control financially, but from the matter of a resource, we're not really in charge of that. Um, so, uh, Tony, uh, my call to you in a future meeting will be, based on the fact that we almost imported 100,000 acre feet of water this year, which is phenomenal for this area, and we had the report from USGS a couple years ago about subsidence, which, as you know, in depletion of groundwater, that can be a major problem. Just go up to the Delta and see how well they've done. Not very good. Um, it's predicted in the next 25 years that most of the Delta area will be underwater, which is now pristine farmland. It'll basically be gone because of the subsidence. They lose about a foot a year, minimum. So uh, the USGS came a pretty good report. We had very little subsidence. Based on the data that you gleaned from all the new uh, gathering systems we have in place now here. Um, two things. One, do we need more over time? And two, are there areas that we need to focus on for either specific groundwater replacement or reduction of pumping even further? Those, those are within our control now that we can, we can do that because I doubt very seriously in the future we're going to be able to import on average 100,000 acre feet a year. Uh, to my knowledge, unless we build a pipeline to the ocean, treat the water and dump it in the river. So I, I don't think that's coming down the canal every year. But I think in, in, in total, because it was such a large amount of water to bring to our basin, that we need to know uh, how that impacted us and what that means to the people that live in our areas, that we're supplying as best we can and what the long-term effects of that going to be. Granted, that it's not all under control, but we have the information now that we can produce through that. That's what I would like to see in a future report that gives us information for this board to make decisions moving forward. Um, I think it, we've shown that we're willing to spend the money and bring the water to the basin. We just have to make sure we're putting it in the right place and do it in, in the right sequence of events. Great, so that, great that, that, question. That was my 
I think that goes point. to that data-based uh, decision-making. doesn't require a response unless you want to. And Tony, we'll leave it to you and General Manager Anna Tabwe to figure out how to package that in a presentation for us. Uh, with that, we're on to closed session. Mr. McElhaney? Yes, uh, I'll indicate uh, the items uh, for closed session. Item 14, Conference with Legal Counsel, Existing Litigation, Government Code Section 54956.9, Subdivision D1, Name of Case, City of Barstow et al. versus City of Atlanta et al., Riverside County Superior Court, Case Number 208568. And Item 15, Conference with Legal Counsel, Anticipated Litigation, Significant Exposure to Litigation Pursuant to Government Code Section 54956.9, Subdivision D2, One Potential Case. Great. We'll take a five-minute break, and the board will convene in closed session. Thank you. Jerry, he buried that Microphones are on. Uh, the board has come out of closed session, and we'll turn this over to legal counsel. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, yes, the board in closed session authorized uh, staff to negotiate with the city of Victorville. Uh, for the resolution of uh, compaction issues in Mesa Street. That was the action taken. Thank you. With that, we are adjourned.